this is the Chillinoy Podcast. Well, I'll be dang. That's them two kids that have been whacking in my camper. Boy, I never seen two kids do so much damn whacking. Boy, they're just like a couple little old spider monkeys, I tell you. Welcome to another episode of the Chillinois Podcast. I am your host, Cole Preston. Today, Justine's gone, so I'm here all by my lonesome, and I'm just going to be candid. This is take two, so I'm re-sparking this joint as I wipe away my tears. So, um, before I get, before I introduce our guests today, I wanted to take a moment to promote a few of our recent podcast episodes, because we've been in what I refer to as a marathon. Um, It's been fun. So most recently, we were joined by Nor- Nurse Kebra Smith-Bolden, and in that episode, we talked about medical cannabis, Kebra's work at Canna Health, uh, which is the company she recently started. I also talked to Nurse Kebra about firearms, prohibition, and the negative effects that remain from uh, that time period. So before that, we were once, uh, once again joined by Dr. Eric Lee from Green Mind Physicians. So if you remember Dr. Eric Lee, he was on our podcast in the early days, and he came back to talk about COVID and cannabis and whether or not cannabis can actually help with COVID. We talked about how to deal with pediatric intoxication and more. And before, uh, before all that, we were joined by Jonah Rapino from New Era, comedian Kyle Fields, uh, cannabis coach Haley, Colt Eastman from Justice Grown, Michael Malcolm from weedtravelfood.com, Mike Fouché from grownin.com and many more. So if you want to check out the podcast that I just mentioned, and, you know, like I said, there's more content out there, go to chillinoy.net slash podcast, or you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you stream podcasts. So I have been very excited for this episode of the podcast. In this episode, we're joined by Lauren, Miggy, and Tom from Cannabis Legalization News. So you can find Cannabis Legalization News at CannabisLegalizationNews.com. And from there, you can find their podcast, uh, their blog. You can contact or sorry, you can connect with them on social media and you can get in contact with them. They're going to be live tomorrow at 3 p.m. And uh, today we're recording on August 29th. So that's going to be August 30th at 3 p.m. That's Sunday. They usually go live on Sundays. Uh, and Wednesdays, I do believe. They'll be able to correct me on that once once we get them in here. So if you haven't heard of Cannabis Legalization News already, definitely check them out because they've got a huge library of content that's available. Uh, it's all highly informative on all things cannabis. I have to say, I'm a subscriber. So Tom, Miggy, Lauren, welcome to the Chillinoy Podcast. Thanks. What's up, Cole? Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for, for having us. Sure. Yeah, um, so before we dive into cannabis legalization news and what you guys all do there, can you take a moment to introduce each of yourselves and how you found interest in cannabis? Hey, Miggy, why don't you start with that one? You go all the way back, man. Well, I grew up with it. I mean, I, uh, you know, uh, being half Mexican, uh, I grew up with it. My uh, uh, grandmother, my mom actually used to get uh, weed from my great grandmother and she would make tinctures of it for her arthritis. So I grew up with it, and I also grew up uh, with a single mother who was like a went to a parting stage, right? And then uh, you see how the adults are different on cannabis versus alcohol. So that that's been the the momentum and mindset for me. Wow. Yeah, and then like I met Miggy about ten years ago when I was a young lawyer that did a book on the cannabis laws and like uh, historical fiction, you know, because like the, the, there's still the same type of lawsuit that was in that book is like being filed and argued now in in a court somewhere, I bet. And it has been for like 40 or 50 years. Yeah. The unconstitutionality of the the marijuana laws at the federal level, uh, they've always been thrown out. And so I'm like, you know what, uh, let's just say that this one gets granted. Why not? And then you could also tell the, the backstory of the history of how they just kind of criminalized this plant like 90 years ago now. And, uh, and then I started a Facebook page about 10 years ago and I made Miggy an admin and he started throwing some memes around that were pretty dank. And so um, how many 
how many subs did we or how many likes did we get on that Facebook page, Mickey, by by the time it started to blow up? I mean, what was the last analytic we had? Like two million uh, interactions. Oh, that's our reach. That's like reach. our reach. But like yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's like three hundred thousand likes, and well, so three hundred five now. Three hundred five thousand likes. Yeah, we started yeah. growing again, which is cool. Wow. And, and um, yeah, and so like we started. I started a law firm a couple of years ago, and uh, and then well, I started my own law practice a couple of years ago, I guess. And so I started a law firm this year, uh, and. Um, well, for marketing purposes, you need to be able to be found on the internet. And so that kind of led me to uh, the Google search algorithm. And then I started noticing that YouTube was really popular in it. And uh, so I started making YouTubes uh, about cannabis legal issues. And, and then I was like, you know what, we should do a podcast of it. And I asked Miggy to do a podcast in uh, February of 2019. Uh, and then it just started blowing up. And then like, it's been a year now. Uh, Lauren joined us. Lauren, how did you, how did you come by cannabis and then also the podcast? Yeah, well, cannabis came into my life in like high school. Like most people, stuck with me through college. Uh, my parents were in the military, so that telling them about that was interesting. But um, yeah, I was fortunate to get a position right out of college with a cannabis startup, and. Um, I've been working in the cannabis field ever since. And then I came across you guys just doing research, cannabis research. And like you said, your SEO is on point. So I hit you up and luckily you had a position. So that's how we got clicked up. That's awesome, guys. That's awesome. The, the path you guys came together. So it's 10 years ago, Tom, that you guys started this Facebook page. Yeah. yeah. This whole thing is a Facebook page. Wow. Yeah. And so like that was 10 years ago. And I still remember being uh, younger than I am now. Uh, that oh my gosh, it could be legal at any time. I was, so <laughs> <laughs> I was, so yeah. Man, uh, twenty ten seems like seventy years ago. I know, I know, but so does October. Um, yeah, and, you know the before times as we call them now. Uh, and it was weird because Miggy and I were on separate coasts, and so when we started the podcast, and I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know what a podcast tool was. And so we just use Google Hangouts and it could be like live on your Facebook channel or your YouTube channel. And then we found this. Well, that, that was what we did for like the first six months until, yeah. you know, Google Hangouts closed. They closed it. And yeah. so like some people don't know, but now you do that Google Hangouts closed in uh, August of 2019. And so we were I was like, fuck. Cause like we started to get big. Like we were at like 250 subscribers when we started. Yeah. The and then like we were past a thousand by the time hemp fest came around. And so like, we were like, Oh crap, we've, we've kind of been turned off. What are we going to do? StreamYard and StreamYard is a wonderful product that I think I just paid like 500 bucks to for my next 12 months of the, the service. And we use that to produce the show. Gotcha. So Tom, Lauren, you're Chilinoyans. Am I correct? Miggy, you're on the uh, West coast, West yeah, coast. I'm in Seattle. Okay, cool. Awesome. So, Tell us about cannabis legalization news. Well, I mean, we, there's so many platforms that, uh, you know, Tom and I have been a part of and uh, things that we've done that the CLN is a good center point. It's a good, you know, Tom's the one person in cannabis I'm happy to see be successful right now because, you know, you have a lot of uh, people that are coming in aboard after the fact, you know, Tom's got the right. knowledge base and the, uh, uh, the, the like the SEO on point uh, foresight to see like it's, we draw people in to the customers and also inf information you know uh, uh, Tom I used to previously been writing several times and I like to entertain and, and and so does Tom and we like to educate and that's what it's all about I think yeah so. yeah and it's about it's about the industry and it's about the movement. And so like we do two shows and then he's right. Like I approach it. And the reason why it's called cannabis legalization news is because I've had like my, my tech company was, is still called uh, Stumari. I just don't really try to sell my tech product that much because I can sell my legal product substantially more, but then I use my tech product to sell my legal product. Uh, yeah. Everybody says they sell SEO. And so nobody understands what it is. And, and so then you have to teach yourself it. And then you go, oh, I understand. You shouldn't have bought these things. Or this is what you should have done instead. And that's why it's called Cannabis Legalization News. Because about 500 times a month, someone's going to Google a variant of that. And uh, if you do that, we'll come up now. Because now our, our channel is so large and our cadre of content 
is so large and it's and it's put out on our web our web syndicates so that uh, we just start ranking for various things. Uh, one of the things that we're ranking for uh, recently, and so we've just kind of gotten on a page one for it, is like, uh, why does weed smell like skunk? And that's the kind of thing, like, you know, we can use the channel not just to talk about, like, how to get a cannabis dispensary license in Oklahoma, but you could also answer questions of, why does weed smell like skunk? It's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And, and we have some pretty interesting guests, like the because I think that topic got brought up by a guest from England, right? Yeah, because uh, uh, they don't they don't even have skunks in England, but they yeah. call their weed skunk. So that was interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, and that's the cool thing that you learn when you talk, and and this will be an international show sometimes. And Lawrence just booked some really good guests, so definitely head over to YouTube and subscribe to Cannabis Legalization News. Because uh, Lauren got um, Steve D'Angelo and Ed Rosenthal to come on the show, right? Yep. In yeah. uh, like early October, I think. So yeah, definitely tune in for that. October. That's, that's legit. So yeah, that's what I love about your guys' shows that, you know, I watch it uh, because I can, I'm just interested in the cannabis industry in general. And so you guys don't really have a limit to where you go on that. Like, it, mm -hmm. like you say, you've had international guests. And you've also had guests from Illinois, um, mm -hmm. which I think is awesome. So you guys being Illinois natives, that makes sense, right? Um, have you guys had anybody from like anybody that you know, Miggy, on on the on air? You know, uh, a lot of the activist people that we brought on, uh, Weldon Angelos, uh, uh, Stacy Tice. You know, these that's my circles, and that you know, we, when you talk SEO, I think uh, the one thing that uh, I was thinking about today because. Tom's got the, the daily algorithm locked in, but I think the ultimate SEO, this, I think this is something for everybody to think about, at least for other brands and companies, is uh, prisoners, right? Like everybody Googles, how do I not go to jail? So yeah. like, hey, you cannabis company out there, if you get involved with prisoners, maybe you'll help your product branding more. But uh, yeah, you know, this just the activist side. We had uh, Keith dropped. That was pretty cool when uh, uh, Tom pulled him on little lawyer yeah. circle yeah. that's one of the fun things about our show as well as um you know because i do it for uh fanboy reasons to be honest like you know it's just that i uh am very uh i hold the people that i i talk with on there in high regard because you know i felt like they're doing the right thing for freedom and justice and capitalism and america and all that stuff and so they fought for what was right for for years or maybe they've been in prison for a while we had tuna on bobby tuna oh yeah Platshorn. I mean, like that's one of the, and he's got a strain now in Florida. So I told my younger brother, like, Hey, go buy me an eighth of this and uh, set it aside in the humi uh, humidifier somewhere until I come visit <laughs> after this, this stupid pandemic. Yeah. That's dope, dude. Hell yeah. So where can we, uh, I mentioned earlier that you can find cannabis legalization news at cannabislegalizationnews.com, but do you guys mind saying some of your social media handles so that people can get connected with you? Yeah, I know course. on Instagram, you're at Cannabis Industry Lawyer. Is that correct, Tom? Yeah, that's uh, that's my Cannabis Industry Lawyer handle. Uh, I know IG is, I think somebody already had Cannabis Legalization News or CLN. So I already had Cannabis Industry Lawyer as I was branding that. And then I made the, I changed the name of the YouTube channel, to be honest, uh, in like February of 19. Uh, from Cannabis Industry Lawyer to Cannabis Legalization News because of, um, I wanted to get more subscribers, quite yeah. frankly. And so um, uh, that's that's why we made that shift. But then you'd already had all these accounts and then some of the other accounts on IG were already taken. Uh, and then like, for example, at Twitter, I'm Tom Weedlaw, at Tom Weedlaw, I think. Uh, and that's just because accounts get taken. I mean, there's so many platforms. We're not on TikTok sure. as far as I know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, hit us up on Facebook too. Free THC. You have to put it into the URL because we're shadow banned. But yeah. put in the URL, free THC. Gotcha. Facebook.com slash free THC. I actually just went there. Nice. Cool. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So go ahead. That's the shadow band. But then that's also like, so they didn't, they haven't unplugged us. They unplugged Cheech and Chaw. So like we don't push it as far as Cheech and Chong pushes it. We're trying <laughs> to keep it mostly uh, compliant. We say that all the time. We're like, hey, always follow the, your laws, kids. Uh, and also, don't if don't watch this if you're kids. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, we try to walk that fine line. And I'll I'll try to like give Facebook money. I'm like, here, can I promote this? And they'll be like, no. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't boost that. LinkedIn does not care. But LinkedIn will just take your money. So like what it might be like a $10 ad buy on Facebook would be like a hundred bucks on LinkedIn. Hmm. Wow. I know that. It's all the fun things you get to do when you own an internet company, right? Well, it's all about promoting, right? The, 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 the whole reason why I guess we have any weight is because we, even if we get deleted, like I had a 10 year old uh, uh, Facebook profile that got deleted. That was the one I was primarily using for activism right. and uh, uh, no, no human being can tell me why there's no I, I you, and that's the thing if you get deleted that there's there's no recourse for the most part unless you're a big right. person like Cheech and Chong who can bounce back from that but yeah but they still got deleted they like had yeah. part of new account but then what if that was also to help somebody what if that was evidence or something I don't know could you imagine <laughs> that like some like the, somebody's case depends on your Facebook page you're like ah well, just say that I violated the terms of service. Oh, shit. <laughs> just start sharing, like, Trumpkin memes. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure Trump. Trump. Trumpkin. No, memes. actually, if you do Trump stuff, they ignore you, see? So you just have to become a Q page. <laughs> Is that how we got QAnon? Because they just started right. ignoring Trump stuff, so it got worse? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, so if you guys want to re... How about this? You rebrand to QAnon trees, and they'll totally let you oh, go. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Sorry. I had to get a political joke in there. Oh, uh, Mi- I can't Miggy believe Lauren, where we live. Yeah. I know, right? Maybe Lauren, where can we find you guys on uh, social media? Just for our uh, listeners, if they want to connect with you guys. Yeah, well, I'm on Instagram and also on uh, Twitter. If you just Google Miggy420, I'm not sure if I... Like I said, I got deleted one time already, so... Uh, I, 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 if it's not Miggy 420, it's Miggy 420 libs. That's the URL that I've been using. So, and also if you just Google Miggy 420, you're going to see a shit ton of articles. That used to be my flex when I'd go to a, a like a conference in the early days. Like, you know, now you, you can Google each other and, and find out what you've done for the cause or whatever. But, you know, I just be like Google Miggy 420 and then you would see a whole page of like all these articles. Cause you have to lock in, you know, like the SEO stuff, lock in your pen name or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, and you can find me at Coolgate Aunt on Instagram. I don't post much because it's just like I don't know, shit nor eat. But hit me up if you want to talk weed. I uh, one of one of my favorite posts of yours, Lauren, is the uh, picture of all of the. Oh man, I'm I'm blanking on it right now. I'm thinking all the leaders of each of the cannabis companies in Illinois, and I have to say, it looks like a portrait. And by that, I mean a blank portrait. It's white. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That how was many how many data tables are in that uh, that spreadsheet? It was like forty eight. All right. Oh, wow. You know, who's ma- did you build it? I did. Yeah. Okay. Great. Keep maintaining it, and then let's update it when this new round comes out, and we can just continue. Definitely. Like- and then not only that, um, that's one of the cool things that we're going to talk about on Monday's call is uh, a page that I want to rank for, like you know, America cannabis laws or cannabis laws in America, and so then we're going to have an HTML map. And then this allows us to organize our data in a more, uh, you know, link based and and easily accessible way. So like for a state, you'd like hover over it and it'd be like Alabama, move to the next state or or something. But then, you know, you'd go to Illinois and then it would have like the license types that would be inlaid so you could learn more about which one you're interested in. Uh, And so we've kind of already started doing that for a few of the states. But then as each new state comes up, then we try to like approach it. So we were doing a lot of content this summer for New Jersey, South Dakota, uh, Arizona. Uh, We might have to get Montana on, you know. Oh, yeah. We're having Nebraska on on Wednesday. Oh, Nebraska's got a medical bill moving through their one nut. Nebraska only has one chamber of Congress. They have a unicameral legislature. (laughs) One nut. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so I saw, you know, just speaking. Well, first of all, I want to just say that I love, I'm going to plug your guys' website again, cannabislegalizationnews.com. I love that you guys have that as kind of a backstop because if you ever are taken off of any of these uh, social media platforms for any bullshit reason, I want to get it in everybody's head that they can probably find the new Facebook page or the new, you know, God forbid something like that happens if well, they we- go through cannabislegalizationnews.com. But like all of our all of our videos would kind of drop off the content. But then like we we after we get done with our video, it's real easy for us to create an MP3 version and then we publish that onto uh, podcasts. And so like you're creating a certain level of redundancy. And so then it's we do try to comply. Uh, We do. And so like we had a really good time. 
And I think like after we ran the joke last week, where whenever we're going to have like a smoke sesh, uh, we have like a technical difficulties kind of sign that we run now. And it has like elevator music and it says uh, it's forced 20 somewhere. And it kind of like, uh, like Lauren's got this picture of like the great smoky mountains or something. <laughs> the only problem is it's like five seconds. And so like it cuts out and like Miggy and I are just like clearly hitting joints. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to make it like 10 seconds or something. Give you all some time. Yeah, you gotta give him some time. <laughs> but it's, it was so fun, you know? Yeah. That was a good time, That's man. Awesome. That's awesome. So when do you, when are you guys like, usually going live i know sometimes it pops up every once in a while but what's the normal schedule yeah we have wednesday shows which we mostly focus on like business and uh entrepreneurship and then that's at 2 p.m central and then on sundays we have a 3 p.m show central where we focus on like social equity and advocacy so yeah definitely tune in twice a week cool at least yeah and you can find that live on youtube facebook where anywhere else when it goes live, you can find it there, Not right? Live. Like, well, maybe one day we'll be allowed permission into LinkedIn, but mm -hmm. I think you have to get um, clearance. And so like the, our, our LinkedIn page isn't that large yet, uh, but it's growing. And so maybe in a year we might be able to be allowed on LinkedIn. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, definitely tune in. Uh, Lauren, you said 2 p.m. on Wednesdays, 3 p.m. Sundays. That's Central Time. Is that That's right? It. Did I get that right? Yep. Cool. Cool. All right, perfect. Now, feel free, guys, to plug some recent episodes. So I saw you had Ohio activist Michael, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, Will, Will it? Yeah, on. Uh, and I saw there was, I found this one inter interesting, the episode on cannabis distillation. Tom, I, you know, I just have to say, you're a little bit of the person that helped me set up my grow tent because I saw your grow tent setup video. So gave me the confidence to, to do it. Good. Um, I saw, yeah, I saw, you know, you guys have off the wire news segments and much more. Feel free to plug anything that you guys have going. Um, yeah, maybe or, or any about, recent shows. Talk about your recent show that you did in Ohio and any other of those uh, activist shows that you're, you're going to be bringing on. Yeah, well, I did that that one on one with uh, with Michael, and and, I, and I'm trying. Uh, I would like to do future uh, conversations with other people in other states. So you know, it's it's always that's the cool one. I, I can just do on the side, you know, not a schedule. I just talk to somebody, send them the, the the link, and then we just shoot the shit for half an hour or so about what they're doing, what's cannabis like in their state, you know, what their perception is, because you know, this is how we make it legal. It's not Jim Belushi fucking tweeting. Uh, cause he found God again or some shit. It's uh, people like us, you and me. Yeah. Well, you know, dude, uh, so I'm following him. I got respect, right? He's, but he's doing this whole, like the world could be different if, if marijuana was legal. It's like no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Been doing this for fucking over 20 years. No yeah. shit. <laughs> sure. Some branding company talked him into it. Um, uh, anyway. And so that, that's, that was one of the cool ones for, and I, I'm glad that Miggy's doing these because it is, it is humanizing the plant uh, across state lines, especially in the states where you are going to get the victims the most, the pot prisoners. Yeah. And so I'm glad that he's, and he's always been covering that beat. I mean, like the first time I met him, he was at Hempfest in the prisoner's tent. And so like, cause I, hadn't, I he, he, he and I had just known each other on the internet. And then, uh, so I met him once last year and I hoped to be able to go this year, but then we, we actually had Vivian McPeak on. Yes. Does Hempfest. And so, like, we were able to talk about how Hempfest has been impacted by the COVID 19 crisis. And it's, it's just whomever that we can get that is big in cannabis that we can talk to, we're going to talk to them. Uh, and we're going to have a great time doing it. You know, that's one of the things that I really enjoy. The other thing that I, I like doing was the, the USDA, uh, not the USDA, the DEA hemp regulations and so like as we have legalization we're gonna have like these regulations that'll come out like they're kind of doing for hemp now like hemp was legalized and then suddenly the regulations come out that start to insinuate that maybe it's not as legal as uh, congress had led us to believe yeah. uh, and so is that going to happen if we have the morac pass and so like there's going to be something evidently on the morac getting voted on in congress next month so now we're already training our eye to update the more act content that we currently have, make it more informative, you know, like maybe, maybe put a, a PDF of the more act actually and laid into our more act page and, and have like one of those breaking news type things where you can, 
recite like the aspects of the Moore Act, but then also report as to what the congressional vote breakdown is, because that'll create a big traffic spike if yeah. Congress passes the Moore Act. I mean, that's a heck of yeah. a headline right there. Wow. Yeah. That so would let's be... let's talk about the Moore Act here in a second, because I saw that you guys have a show uh, tomorrow at 3 p.m. on that. You guys are going to be talking about that. So if people check that show out, but you just mentioned the new DEA hemp rules, Tom, can you tell us a little bit about that? And maybe like, like, I know you did a video on it. So folks definitely check that out, but can you tell us a little bit about like what, what changes we may see? I mean, like, I guess my number one question is, am I going to be able to buy CBD flour online anymore? Is, that, is this going to get in the way of that? No, probably not CBD flour, but then uh, you have to understand if you talk to people, some people will say nothing's changed. Some people will say um, certain products that were that are derived from hemp uh, shouldn't be sold. Uh, and then some people are, are going to say that uh, CBD extract can't be made at all. And so, uh, but then the DEA is saying nothing's changing with these rules. This is what it's always meant. But then that creates this grayness because if that's what it's always meant, then why is, why is it that how it's being done? You know, like if that's also how it's always been done and you guys have been enforcing it a particular way and you know that it does this, why are you like, pointing that out, you know? Um, and then it gets back to the, uh, the testing requirements from the USDA were really shit too, like really shit. And so you're like, well, why are you testing it like that? Unless you don't want to have any hemp flour. Uh, and they might, I mean, the USDA regulations were bad. And then I guess there's some FDA guidance that's floating around out there that has, that's gone from FDA to like the office of management and budget, but we haven't read it yet, uh, because it hasn't been published that yeah. people are scared about in the hemp industry as well. And so, uh, the administration change and the policy change that might come, uh, in the next Congress could be uh, very, very important in the sense that you might see the Safe Banking Act, you might see the Moore Act, depending on how Congress acts on that, and then you would definitely see the defunding of the DEA from being able to enforce any state's uh, marijuana law. So like if, if it complies with state law, then the DEA wouldn't have any financing to build a case against them or to prosecute. Gotcha. So where did this where did this all do you, where do you think this all came about these new rules because it, it's a little weird for me to think about the fact that people have their seeds in the ground right now i mean it's almost it's almost august you know it's about to be right. harvest time right how where did this come from you know came, from, from your perspective regulators. i guess regulators. i get why did it come what do you i guess what i'm trying to ask is what do you think are the intentions behind these changes does that make sense yeah, and I, I'd say that they don't want you to have any smokable cannabis. They don't want you to have cannabis flour in general. Gotcha. It's still, still reefer madness out there, by far. It's still reefer madness, yeah. For sure, definitely. Um, so you mentioned the Moore Act. I saw recently that the House is scheduled to vote on that, and it's to decriminalize cannabis on a federal level. Is That's correct? I think so. I think it's a decrim uh, and a descheduling. So like, it's I think it removes it from the scheduling nice. there might. And then I, I need to read the more act again. I haven't read it in a long time. And so maybe tonight something I'll read it, but uh, it, it also has like certain taxes and reinvestments. And so it's like the marijuana opportunity reinvestment and expungement, and expungement. Oh. Yep. An expungement. So yeah, it's got uh, social equity underpinnings as well. And it, it's similar kind of to like what they've done in Illinois. But um, I don't think it contemplates a federal licensing structure. But what if it does? Like, you know, that's one of the things. So if the Moore Act does pass, and then we have legalization, and uh, there's a Republican administration that doesn't like it, like how cracked down or how monopolistic could they make the industry? So like, it might only be the Budweiser's of the world, and you might not be able to have uh, a local marijuana or cannabis industry and, and locally farmed uh, CBD flour, which I think is one of the nicer aspects of the industry is that you can kind of make it local, you know? Yeah, yeah, by far. Uh, do you guys, Tom, do you know during uh, alcohol prohibition, did they even focus on ABV? Like, was that even a consideration? <laughs> like, you know, we can't have too much strong alcohol legal now, or was it just like, here's a, here's a rule. You're good now. It doesn't matter what it is. 
Well, I'm not really sure. I'm not a, a scholar when it comes to the Prohibition era. And so I don't know how they really enforced it or what the Vol I think it was the Volstead Act, uh, actually mm. said about um, uh, the prohibition of alcohol. But I wasn't sure if it was the prohibition of alcohol or if it was a prohibition of the sale of alcohol, to be honest. Oh, I do right. know that it took a, a constitutional amendment because they didn't think that they had the taxing power to be able to do what they did in uh, the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act. So, but between the time that they prohibited alcohol with an amendment and then uh, banned marijuana with a tax, uh, something changed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just find the parallels are important always. I don't know. Definitely. Maybe on that, on that note, you know, think about these parallels. One of the points we try to make on the Chillinois podcast all the time is that while they might tell you cannabis is legal, it's, it's not legal. I mean, of course, by all technicalities, it's federally illegal, right? But the point we try to make is, if you can get a misdemeanor in the state of Illinois for having more than 30 grams, or you can get a felony for having more than a hundred grams, is it legal? Right. Is it legal? Because the thing is, is like nobody is stopping me from going to the uh, alcohol store right now and buying out the whole motherfucker, except yeah. for Chase Bank. Yeah, that's Chase right. I like, to, I like to call that buying all the vodka. It's like, I can yeah. go to the, the store and buy all the vodka. I can just go buy all of it. You know, yeah. no limit amount of vodka that i want to walk out of that store with well tom we were just talking about before the show you can buy all the everclear you want we were talking about making tinctures with everclear but think about how dangerous everclear is like like, that's legitimately dangerous like that's right you'd have no position uh possession limit on it so to say right and like they they also uh trust us with you know all the chemicals that are under my sink yeah. you know those yeah. are terrible for us i could start spilling Bleach. them down my throat <laughs> yeah. yeah they trust us with that but then for some reason this oh my god whoa you're a bad man bad man <laughs> but even when it comes to legal like like the fact that tom and i have to like say that we're abiding by the rules you know what we are abiding by the rules my house rules Weed's legal in my house. Like, there I thought go. this was America, you know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that is the very uh, libertarian-esque, uh, uh, you know, fringe ideology of the West Coast that Miggy brings. It's great. It's refreshing. You're, so, you're America, too. It's just not the West Coast. You're good. I know. <laughs> so before we get too far out of the Moore Act, let me ask you this question. I mean, obviously, we've got an election coming up, uh, but do you think – what do you think the outlook is on this bill? Because as it stands, I see this bill going directly behind, directly behind Mitch McConnell's shed where he's going to blast it in the face. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. that's because that's just how those things go, though. But I've heard an element out there that there may be like some uh, bipartisanship on this. So I don't know if you guys have heard that as well. Uh, what do you guys think about the outlook on this on this act? Does it really depend on how things go this November? But there's always bipartisan or there's always something. There's always like, hey, here's the carrot. You know, I mean, like Tom said, 10 years ago, he was young and thought, all right, this shit's over with. We're going to legalize it. But, Uh you know, know, the fact that like right now in a legal state, I have we have raids going on on the east side. We have uh, a a child, uh, a CPS case going on down south. Um, I have a friend in Oregon. uh, uh, Joy Graves who's part of the ONAC church, you know, and then again, this is this. I would think the freedom of religion people would be like all about it, but her church is getting prosecuted and they know shit believe in the plant. So, you know, right. when, like you said, I can buy all the vodka. I can buy all this shit that's going to overdose me, kill me, uh, put me in a hospital. I had friends in high school that, you know, woke up in ditches, you know, not from fucking cannabis, not from <laughs> so, Yeah. But so, yeah. Um, I was going to ask, good. Tom, uh, what do you, I don't know if we talked about this when I want to plug the fact that we were on your guys' show once. So if you look up cannabis legalization news, we were on there and I don't know if we talked about, um, the odor proof language in the law, but what do you think about that in Illinois law? The fact that it, in order to transport or possess cannabis, uh, you have to have it in a I mean, we can all agree on the on the sealed and childproof part, yeah, yeah, yeah. the odor proof. That's part. how. Again, I think that's part of a, an amendment that was already passed and, like you know, proposed. Not maybe it hasn't been passed. It's already been drafted. Maybe it hadn't made it over the finish line. But the uh, the veto session, which probably isn't going to be very much of a thing because it's an election year. But uh, that if that is how the language is, where it says that for like the um, stuff that you go and you buy, like 
an eighth from a dispensary. Yeah. That type of stuff. I think they've walked that back so it no longer says odor proof. Uh, there's still a lot of odor mitigation, uh, that the systems at the, so the HVAC systems at the dispensaries will have to have, or the HVAC systems at the uh, cultivation will have to have. But yeah, uh, if that hasn't already been like changed, I think that change is uh, forthcoming. So my point always is like, if somebody pulls you over, let's just give an easy example at first. If somebody, if you get pulled over or apprehended and you just reek of booze, there's maybe a conversation that happens. And I think that the same could maybe be said about cannabis, but I, I guess it's just weird because of the way the law was pitched. Like if you have to have it in an odor proof container, none of those products come in odor proof containers because of course there's not really such a thing as odor proof containers. You know what I mean? You can definitely Google it and find some things that will mitigate odor, like you say. Um, but when it comes down to it, there's, not really such a thing as an odor proof container. So in other words, the way that it's written now, um, basically the moment you walk out of an Illinois dispensary, you're out of compliance with the law. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of like, that's kind of how I feel about the DEA's uh, interim rule because I'm like, yeah, uh, I see that you have a point there, but then your point means that the whole law was defeated. So like, your, your exception that you're pointing out, your strict compliance here frustrates the entire purpose of the law. So like, you know, the DEA is like saying, hey, as soon as this, you know, while in processing extract uh, goes over that uh, Delta 9 level, it becomes magically marijuana. Just like, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you walk outside and you can smell the weed, it's magically illegal. Uh, it's just too much of a technicality to be able to allow it to really stand, uh, mm-hmm. especially that, it, it effectively just nixes the whole law. I mean, the reason why they made it like that is so that you could have it, not so that you could get caught in a technicality of noncompliance. But um, Right. And that's why you've seen in other states they've taken away the idea that smell is uh, reason but, for smell. Yeah, but smell is part of the prejudice against the flower, man. I mean, smell is something that people are like, oh, somebody hit the skunk truck. Like, yeah, that's me it's behind that alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And all of a sudden you're a lesser person for it for whatever reason. Well, you know, I am a sinner. I've been told this by Jesus. By, <laughs> right. by him. Right. It, by wasn't, it wasn't by Jesus. I haven't met him. But it was I guess by like his best friend or something. He wears this black robe. Yeah. But, but you know, as you guys are saying about the DEA, the new law coming up and then the packaging law, I mean, you're, you're talking about creating rules that aren't going to get enforced anyways, right? Like, uh, yeah. it's kind of why we should have home grow in Washington State. And that's been the, the fetus argument. It's like banging your head against a wall. It's like, look, how are we enforcing it now? It's all complaint driven. So if there is a crime going on, someone will call it in and then it'll be investigated. But until then, you know, my six plants, 10 plants, whatever limit can happen will not be a crime, you know, just like, again, going to the liquor store and buying as much as I want, you know, it's just. So you guys can't home grow in Washington? Not technically. What's your punishment? What's your punishment if you do? Uh, I'm not sure. I know right now the raids going on are medical. So there is a registry out here that I think is being used against these people uh, with helicopters flying over counting plants because on the registry, you're allowed 15 plants. Uh, If you're not on the registry, you're allowed, I think, six, which is still. You know, I've I've seen sick people. You know, when medical was medical out here in Washington State, um, granted, there was a lot of healthy people. There's a lot of vibrant 18-year-olds who had depression or whatever. But I've seen people in wheelchairs, you know, and uh, uh, the amount of concentrates, you know, because that, that's for somebody who's physically disabled, physically ill to the point of, like, just being in the hospital – these people take high doses, period. Like the concentrate, what, one, one plant's going to give you what? Like uh, a couple grams of shatter, you know? And that's yeah. only good for a couple days. If you're a sick person who's using yeah. it for whatever ailment there is that's severe, you know? And that's the other thing that people can't wrap their heads around when it comes to medical is it does help out so many, the gamut of things, you know, with your endocannabinoid system. So, um but yeah, when it was medical out here in Washington, uh, you know, the, the amounts that we, like Colorado did it right when they first started, right? Like when it was medical, you were allowed like 100 plants. And, and I mean, that was some retarded levels. Some people would get like 1,000 plants just for one person. But a sick person really needs a large amount of cannabis, you know, or me for my Monday 
cases and shit. You know, I, I smoke a goddamn eighth a day I could. Yeah. But, well, I just looked it up on normal uh, normal.org, Washington laws and penalties. It looks like cultivation for either personal use or distribution is a class C felony. Isn't it crazy yeah. that something that uh, you can legally buy in the store and maybe <laughs> even accidentally get a seed from, God forbid you pop that fucker in the soil because that's wow. a felony, sir. Wow. In Illinois, it's like a petty offense for your – because like the, the difference – we don't have home grow for adult use in Illinois – but the penalty, if you're growing what a lawful medical patient, what I could grow is, is only like 200 bucks. Right. Yeah. yeah. See, we're all fucked yeah, up, some, <laughs> Yeah, some people I know have definitely, Tom, with that in mind, taken the gamble, and they're just like, eh, I'll start growing well, if it's $200. Yeah, but it's only $100 to get your medical card. So, like, if you got caught, then you'd be like, okay, <laughs> go get your medical card and then say, okay, it won't happen again. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. and one thing that's I want to just be clear for our listeners because we're you know I just made a lighthearted joke about it, but one thing that's remained to be seen. Uh, we talked to a board of director on uh, Illinois Normal. His name's Kelvin McCabe, and one of the things he said is rema- that remains to be seen is uh, well, typically he said in cases that he's helped with that if you were caught cultivating, they would not only count plants but wait and. He's wondering, it's remained to be seen if they do that in Illinois. So that's the one thing I do want to tell people. Just be safe. If you qualify for the program, and you likely do, because Illinois recently, uh, you know, opened it up, really, um, just get the card. Play it safe, people. No reason to put anything on the line. Because like I said, if you, you know, in Illinois, if you don't have your card and you possess over 30 grams, that's a misdemeanor. But if you have over 100, which – if you're at all good at growing, you're going to end up with over a hundred grams. If you get, you know, two, three, four plants going. Yep. Um, if you pass that a hundred gram threshold, Man. you're looking at a possible felony and guys, we no. can't, you know, there's that's, a important. That's not, how. I don't think that's how the law is written. Like, you know, if, if you go outside, you're, you're, you're allowed to have a weed room from what I recall, like if you're a medical patient. And so like you can have your stash and your supply in that room, but I didn't think that you had to like. Oh no, I want to be clear. Yeah, medical, definitely. There's no limit at home anymore. I'm talking about adult use people without their card. It may not be a, it may not be a risk, a risk you want to take that I'm right. just going to get the $200 fee. You yeah, may right. actually get slapped with the weight that you have. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, it's a silly thing. And then of course it's going to be, how will that be enforced? You know, right. yep. but yeah, some people might important. want a weed collection, to be honest. You know, how connoisseurs are people like to have collection. Right. Well, and like Miggy was saying, people that are sick, people that are using it on a regular schedule, you know, trying to keep everything going. Um, they need a lot of cannabis. And so that's why uh, I'm glad that Illinois is I finally found a term for it, Tom. It's a keep what you grow, keep what you grow state. So in other words, you know, your uh, possession limit with regard to being a medical patient, that that's, it doesn't count at home as long as you keep mm. it secured, I guess. So um, really, it's like your allotment now just has to do, I guess, I don't know, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like your allotment now just has to do with how much you can get from the store in a two-week period and how much you can carry on your person. Yeah. Because at think- home now, there's no limit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's how much you can buy in your two weeks and then also uh, how much you can leave the house with. Yeah. Man. Cool. So, uh, any of that rule. Yes. Right. I'm not kidding. I mean, like, I didn't know that it was a felony to, to do home grow in Washington State. Well, well and you just go south, and in California, I think they have the same that you were talking about in Colorado, which is if you have your medical card, that's 99 plants. But, yeah, oh, 99 no. problems, but weed ain't one. No, <laughs> but like 99 plants, that's almost a commercial operation. That's almost a micro grow license. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like you said, though, uh, uh, Cole, I mean, if, uh, if you're going to be in a state that has the option to have a medical card, that's the first thing I did when I got to Washington. I was like, oh, shit, I can go to that store over there with a weed yeah. card. Heck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Just cover your ass by all means. So, Tom, I know you're like, I would say that you're in the cannabis industry, but have any you, Tom, or sorry, Miggy or Lauren worked in the cannabis industry before? Like directly in it at all? Or? Uh, I've always just been an activist side of it. Just just never, um, I don't have anything to sell, you know, and uh, the thing I do want to sell will be a book one day. Other than that, you know, I, yeah. I, you know, I try to make it so 
the cannabis doesn't pay my bills, so I can just you know do things for it. So, but you, yeah, Lauren, not, not really, just social media, you know, writing, copywriting. Yeah, yeah, you're not in, you're in the culture. The exactly. Yeah, cannabis culture. <laughs> okay. So, Tom, yeah. the reason I said you were in the industry is because I have the impression, or I've gotten the impression, that you uh, help with like uh, applications and stuff. Is that right? Oh yeah, and so I do a lot of the application help, and I'm looking forward to do a lot more of the application help, uh, to be honest, and then into the operations. And so, like the first round, I didn't take any ownership positions, and the second round, I'm going to take as many ownership positions as I can, sure. make sure that the uh, disclosure of the uh, release of all waiver of conflict of interest or anything, because uh, generally I'll support the industry, and and I want people to have great applications and great teams, and and have really really cool ideas and brands and. Uh, market targets that they're going to try to hit and so like you know some of our coolest episodes in cannabis uh, legalization news has to do with like the marketing and the branding guys that we'll have on and like hearing about how they go about helping uh, companies not just you know get their license but okay you have a license now what and um, I've yeah. only really been ancillary to be honest because I've just been uh, a lawyer or a, a book peddler uh, I've never owned a, a license and you know, in Illinois, I guess like, you know, par for the course, uh, the only people that have owned a license in Illinois had to have been exceedingly wealthy uh, five years ago. And, yeah. uh, and then now the people that are going to own a license, they still have to be very wealthy. And uh, we don't know when that's going to happen. And so, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, the, the acquisition and the M&A throughout this industry in the next four years or so in Illinois, once they really need to start handing out the licenses so that people can start opening up the industry in the, the state. It's still really not here. I mean, that's the, the thing that kind of sucks. Like yeah. all the people that and all those jobs and all those brands and all that shit uh, is still like a year away. Yeah. COVID didn't help. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's so disappointing watching nobody get licenses while like articles get pub published about how much we're making a month. It's so oh, like, yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because well, none of that money is going to anybody of color, really. There's no owners in the space that are black, brown. Yeah, I, mm. I want to reiterate, follow uh, Lauren on Instagram, at CoolGayAunt, and she uh, has a picture of the, the faces of the cannabis industry, and they're not they're not any color but white. It's a lot of <laughs> old money, too. You know, yeah, People exactly. with older money decide this is the time that they're going to invest or whatever, and... Uh, so I mean, and a lot of it's like a byproduct of them not being able to access any legitimacy. And yeah. so like everybody has to kind of bankroll. And so you have to talk to people that have a lot of money and these people yeah. have been passing that money down for hundreds of years or they get in groups and then they understand how to put money together. I mean, like uh, the wealth gap is, is very real in, in cannabis because if you don't have the money, you can't, I mean, you can't get a loan. It's, it, you can't really try to have a startup business in cannabis because of how much it takes to get one of these licenses and how expensive it is and how overregulated it is. But, you know, um, Oklahoma has shown us that there's ways that it can be more open. Yeah. And so, like, you know, it, it, yeah. hopefully there's more licenses and more free markets. And so, like, if people want to have a license, uh, they can get it and it doesn't come with any assurances that you're going to succeed, but you got the chance, you know? Yeah. Maybe I think you'll agree that it's a, uh, uh, well, first of all, I recently got a new uh, phrase to refer to uh, the people that, you know, used to provide us with cannabis, because I always like to say that we all came from that dark alley. We're coming out of the shadows into this legal market. Every once in a while, we have to go back. It's super sad, though, to see, like you're pointing out, Tom, the wealth gap and what happens to our, here's the phrase, legacy providers. <laughs> I like yeah. I like calling, you know, the people that really made this industry what it is uh they're kind of for better or for worse in my opinion a lot of times you know for worse uh excluded from the industry yeah and what i mean by that is you just see people pumping money into this because they see a big return they don't really care about the quality of their product you know what i mean yeah, washington um, had uh when it was medical three thousand dispensaries three thousand dispensaries throughout the whole state a lot of them are minority owned uh, there was a good percentage. And then when the 502 structure came in, the regulated structure, uh, either they already had the money that they saved up from medical side and bailed out or because, again, that 
transition was not easy for a lot of people who were in medical. Not everybody was given the license. Not everybody was given an opportunity. Uh, so um, my point being is uh, there's a uh, black uh, cannabis uh, coalition in Seattle here. They just put out a video and he, he talks about that 3,000 dispensaries where a good portion were minority owned. Now there's one when it's legal. So, you know, that, that, that money gap is a huge thing. Like Tom was saying, you know, either you have the means to get to it or not in a structured market like that. Yeah. So I saw you guys had a video called uh, collab with CLN. And I just want to say, once again, it's cannabislegalizationnews.com. And if you want to get in contact with them, that's cannabislegalizationnews.com slash contact. But uh, you were talking about entrepreneurs and how you work with them. Uh, a few times throughout this podcast. Can you tell young entrepreneurs how they can reach out to you for a collab? Sure. Lauren, tell them how they can get on the show. Yeah. Hit me up at Lauren, L-A-U-R-Y-N at CannabisLegalizationNews.com. And uh, we can talk about your brand, what you're trying to do in the space and how you can come on to Cannabis Legalization News. We have a lot of different options in, term of, in terms of advertising. So hit me up. Yeah, and I can just say from my perspective that getting on air was super easy. So guys, don't hesitate to reach out to Lauren because um, check out the program. It's awesome. And if you've got something going, I mean, it, you know, promotions are promotions and collaborations are collaborations. You'll get you'll get some reward out of that. So thanks for saying that. For sure. Another thing while we're here, I know a lot of your listeners are in Illinois. Something that I haven't been able to find is the total canopy space of current uh, cultivators in Illinois. I'm not sure how much they are allowed. I've looked at the bill. I've called the Department of Agriculture. I've talked to a lot of people in the space and nobody knows how much people that currently have licenses are allowed to grow, what their total canopy space is. So if you know, wow. hit me up. Well, uh, yeah. there's differences between what they're allowed to grow and what they're actually pushing. So like um, last it was in the before times, uh, but it was after legalization. So I think it was, and it was cold. So I want to say it was like last November or something. And we had an event, maybe it was early January, before times. Uh, and so Larry O'Hearn, who owns Nature's Grace and Wellness, was there. And I remember him mentioning that he has about 12,000 square foot uh, of canopy space, which is nothing, to be honest. That's uh, essentially like the size of uh, a maxed out craft grow. And that's one of the cannabis you know, license holders for the medical brands. But then there's other ones that have more licenses like your Crescos and your GTIs. Uh, and I, you know, I have no idea about that. I can also see if the people that I know from Revolution can tell me how much uh, they have under flower or like there's, there's differences. Cause like that's, I was actually just talking to the geneticist for Revolution. And so like, um, he was like, how much is your canopy space? Like this much. And, and then I'm like, but it's for flower. It goes, oh, wow. So it's actually for flower. So like sometimes they, they don't right. think of it like we think of it because they might just be saying like canopy space that might include like mother rooms and, and your, um, yeah. what do they call that? Your veg room and then also your prop room. Uh, and no, we're really in, in uh, when you're designing your uh, craft grow, you're really thinking about your 5,000 square foot of flowering canopy space and you don't necessarily count or care i mean you care because you want it to have a good flow of work mm -hmm. from you know where the mothers are to where the the veg room is to where the um uh propagation room is uh, and then into flowering but you know it's it's just like a different beast but that's yeah it's they're private you know uh maybe uh, lauren you might be able to track uh the reports the quarterly reports that cresco and uh gti and the publicly traded ones put out they might mention it in their data for like their forward looking because they have to they're trying to predict their profits and stuff mm -hmm. and so if they can't predict gonna... their revenue yeah mentioned that Mike Boucher from grownin.com he was on our podcast and he gave me the indication that and and I, I guess what I'll say is reach out to Mike maybe for him to to clarify this but he gave me the indication that uh, these cultivation centers don't have a, a limit the, they don't they can expand as far as they want and we the, he made that point when we were talking about kind of the limited square footage that craft growers are dealing with um so, so yeah. you might reach out to grownin.com. I saw you guys had Brad Spearson from grownin.com on your guys' show. That was awesome. Yeah, he was, he was dope. He was dope to have on. But yeah, we need to know what's going on with these canopy sizes because 
once these licenses get awarded, I mean, they can get priced out pretty easily. Definitely. Well, Definitely. Tom, what do you think would be a good cabbie size? I mean, if this shit's unlimited, it still wouldn't be beneficial. To, like, most people are going to be like, all right, let's max out. But you can't do a supersized yeah. big grow unless you have super big experience and whatnot. But still, right. uh, you know, ventilation and all that shit. What do you think would be a good max out size for some company to start out with? Uh, I mean, like, I still think that a lot of the people that are going to be getting the licenses are going to struggle with flowering 5,000 square feet uh, of canopy space, to be honest, Uh, just because the talent to flower that much space really isn't in Illinois. Um, And so there's a few people that and then how long does the average person work for Cresco or GTI? Do they get enough knowledge and experience to be able to flower that whole room themselves? Uh, How large are the rooms they're flowering in that? And so... I mean, most people that are that have experience, they they're illicit growers, and so they might be used to doing forty plants, fifty plants, maybe a hundred plants, uh, and that's that's one of the reasons why I really like Pennsylvania's microgrower license. I think that's how you uh, don't have the black yeah. market because the black market is can just go legal, and so you have this very floor level of license for cultivation, and if your stuff doesn't pass the grade test, you know you'll go broke. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's that. And then, um, it, you know, it depends on your team. It depends on your rig. Like what are we doing? Premium indoor. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it depends on your clone stock. It depends on your mothers. Uh, it depends on the strain, uh, all that stuff. And so like, there's a difference between, uh, selling strains for volume and then selling strains for like high quality premium flour. And I don't have a high quality premium flour here, but like the, you're trying to get a $70 eighth. And Miggy, yeah. what's the high quality premium flour eighth price in Washington state? If you're going to go get the best shit they got. Yeah. There's, there's 40, $50 ones I'd pay for. So that's, that's okay. There you go. And that's one of the reasons why I'm like, I have an argument going on with people regarding uh, light depth greenhouses and, and then premium indoor. And I'm like, okay, 40 or 50 bucks. That's going to be your premium indoor price uh, yeah. in a few years. Um, and and then again, that- the low bar one that you set, uh, I just bought two eights for 20 bucks here, and they were not horrible. Yeah, but that was probably like your green, green uh, you know, your light depth greenhouse wheat. And so, like, with that type of stuff, you're going to get different volumes as well and different harvests and yields. Mm. And then, like, you'd have to see, well, how are you picking it? How are you trimming it? It doesn't necessarily scale like, you know, a Tesla factory. Uh, You have to have so many components that are touching the leaves and the plants. And then if you really want to make it high quality, you know, you're going to be growing it a particular way. And so you can only grow so much and your input costs are so high. Um, You know, you don't necessarily want to get in over your feet. You want to kind of, like, get the hang of growing 5,000 square foot uh, and then try to grade up to 8,000 to 11 to 13. Uh, and then after that, you know, you might need a new license. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, just a kind of a separate thought, um, you know, whenever I'm not going to name any names, but whenever we've worked with any uh, licensed cultivators in the States, just in any uh, collaboration of any sort, one of the things that always comes up is they say no questions or discussion on sourcing of genetics. And I know that that's probably because, um, you know, there's not really, I don't think there's a legal avenue for any of Isn't that weird? It's like they had to, there's not a, let me finish my thought. Uh, there's not a legal avenue for them to acquire these genetics. In other words, they're supposed to acquire their genetics via immaculate conception. I don't see anything in Illinois law that really tells you how you get your seeds. I just don't, I just think they don't want you knowing who's giving them uh, your seeds because like a guy who's selling seeds, there's, oh gosh, what's his name? I might have to do some light Googling here to remember it. Have you ever heard of like the, okay, there's this song, Return of, no, Return of the Mac, dude. You ever heard of the Mac? Uh All right. Uh, No, I might be showing my age here. Seeds. No, this guy's like a 90s uh, jam by Amnesia Seeds from Seed City. This dude. So this guy will be able to sell one seed, fifteen dollars. All right. So like these geneticist guys, and I can't. I mean, I can share my screen, but it's called like the Mac, and I can't remember what it. It it stands for something. You know, it's not just that old hip hop song, but (laughs) geneticists like this guy who makes this Mac seed, he might be making hundreds of thousands of dollars a day 
a day he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars because that's why they don't want to talk about their genetics. Because if, if, if they fuck up and somebody finds out who their geneticist is and then that geneticist gets to making a seed and then uh, it turns right. out to be the bomb, that, that seed could be, you know, why does he need you then? Why do I need the whole license? I just need to get a nursery license and, uh, and just crank this seed out and I can sell it uh, hand over yeah. fist on the internet, you know? The other thing I've thought, the, the idea that I've thought of is like, I just, with, because there's not any description of how they are to acquire these genetics, I wonder if like they just had, you know, some pots in a row and they're like, all right, this one's green crack, this one's sour lemon, this one's, you know, like I, I just wonder sometimes, you know? No, no, no. no. If, they, if they've been listening to the people out of Humboldt County, and they know who uh, you know, Kevin Jordy, uh, Jody is, or Jordy, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, to be honest, and like Ethan Russo, and they understand the plant. Uh, they're going to, and, and a lot of their geneticists, they really understand the plant well. They'll talk about plants in ter terms of its metabolism. And so they'll know like what to feed it to make it express particular things. And they've, they've, they've phenol hunted for those. Uh, and so they'll know how to like preserve their mothers uh, through from cl uh, cutting stage. And that's kind of like how some cuttings like cookies, I think is cutting only. I don't. I, right. Yeah. So. Well, that's just it. That uh, some some people don't understand that that some strains are like uh, cutting only in order to maintain that consistency. Kind of like apples. You don't plant apples from seed. Most you know you clone them or you graft them. That brings up another. But as we close, that brings up uh, another point of discussion that I bring up sometimes on the Chillinois podcast, which is that. You know, definitely, like you're saying, Tom, there's these growers that know how to highlight things. I just want to say that Revolution probably does have some of the best product in the state of Illinois, just if we're talking about Illinois and flour. Um, I, I just from what I've tried, they seem to have have it figured out with regard to flour. That's the one cultivator I'm I'll, I'll be OK with trying. Um, but it's interesting to me. Some people have done studies like I think a company did studies in the Netherlands where they grabbed uh, some reputable strains like Girl Scout cookies. They went all over town to different coffee shops getting, getting Girl Scout cookies. And of course their genetic composition was testing all over the map. And so there's this company out of the Netherlands called Bedrocan that designed, they've got five uh, consistent medical cannabis varieties. They don't call them strains because the word strain, of course, is borrowed from like microbiology in order to describe like a bacteria or as we're finding a like a viral uh, variant. Um, so they've got these varieties. And I guess I'm, I'm looking, I'm hoping that somebody pioneers this here in the United States, because the point I try to make is like, you would, you would have a hard time selling a whiskey as a bourbon, or vice versa, like legally, because there is a a difference in the process. Um, and I wonder if we're ever going to see anything like that for cannabis. Like you can't, like you can't sell it as that unless it's truly that, you know what I mean? I, it's, mm. it's an interesting industry in which. Yeah. Check out uh, future cannabis projects channel on YouTube and shout out to them. Those are the dudes that are like, they're in like Humboldt County. I mean, or yeah. in central California. And so you have uh, French cannoli and you have, Kevin Jordy and you have um, Ethan Russo and, and other people that, you know, they talk all about this stuff. They don't call them strains. They'll call them chemo bars. Uh, they talk mm -hmm. about the appellation and you know, kind of like how a Bordeaux is a Bordeaux and a bourbon is a bourbon. And that's coming yeah. for, cause like that, that Humboldt, that, you know, Emerald triangle cannabis is famous. And so yeah. then there's also famous cannabis in Hawaii. There's famous cannabis in Colombia. There's famous cannabis all over the world. And so it's, there's a, legit movement in cannabis you know mostly led by that uh, by uh, french cannoli uh the the, the hashashin or hashishin and master hash maker <laughs> yeah. i love it what well, was that know, called again the what project uh future cannabis project or something like that i think it's thank it. you yeah. yeah also leafly did a thing uh, a couple of years ago where they took say blue dream from each different state all tested them and their terpene profiles kind of all match you know so you know that's that's dope yeah, I mean, you know, also look at the Phylos Project. That's another one that's taken mapping and trying to, sh to show. It's a pretty neat little interactive uh, website where it looks like a galaxy. So click on that blue dream, then you can see like it's third cousin Snoop Dogg and how they're connected. It's a neat nice. little something to mess with genetics.
Well, I learned something today, guys. I got something to look into now. So that's awesome. Thank you. And I think our listeners will too, because this is, like I say, it's something that we talk about. So if you can remind our listeners, how can we find uh, Cannabis Legalization News and, um, when, do you, when do you guys go on air? Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central and Sundays at 3 p.m. Central You uh, on YouTube, Cannabis Legalization News. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, your website's CannabisLegalizationNews.com. You get your Facebook page, Facebook.com slash PreTHC. Um, I just want to thank you guys for coming on to the Chillin' Way podcast. This has been a really, really fun episode, I just have to say. For sure, dude. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah, and I'd love to have you guys on in the future. Um, you know, let me know if there's anything that you ever uh, want to promote. It's just a simple email, and we'll get you on air. We, it's all about give and gain in this industry. Am I right? Right. Right. Cool. So yeah, Miggy, Tom, Lauren, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to the Chillinois podcast. I am uh, once again sorry that we had technical difficulties. Miggy, you know how it is. That stuff yeah. it's out of our hands, right? So. Uh, Thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time. Why my we so good I cry when it's gone. Had a phone in jail, that's a cell phone. Yeah, I'm about to buy a machine gun. We drank it all leaf clean cups, make mountains look like speed bumps. I'm sitting on some train tracks, hoping that bitch speed up. I'm strong on my knees, niggas roll my sleeves up. Yeah, I got bad bitches on standby.